Hello, everybody. This is uh, Jim Barton. I'm here with Abigail Conley, and this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. As uh, it's we're into December, so that means it's the season of Advent, not Christmas. So we're going to first talk about things that are um, uh, Advent related, which is the color purple, which is the color of waiting, as we learned um, from our children's sermon um, a couple weeks ago or last week. Today we're specifically going to talk about visitations, and these are ways that God communicated to people before um, both John the Baptist and Jesus were born. And so I'm going to start by letting Abby tell you about the stories from Luke of visitations. So um, Luke characteristically tells us the story of women and kind of marginal people. So... um, begins with a story of an angel coming to a priest who's ministering in the Holy of Holies. Um, He's drawn the lot to go in and offer incense. And then while he's there, an angel comes and says, you're going to have a son. And he's like, wait, no, we're old. Are you sure about this? And the angel, in what seems to me a little bit of a harsh reaction, is like, yeah, you didn't believe me, so you're not going to talk until this happens. So, sure enough, his wife, Elizabeth, um, becomes pregnant by what means, theoretically, pure biological, who knows, um, for sure, it's not as explicit as in the Mary narrative. And then, um, they're expecting a baby and Zechariah can't talk for this entire time. Meanwhile, the same angel named Gabriel goes to Mary and finds her and says, you're going to have a child. And she's like, wait, how can this be? I'm a virgin. This seems like you know, probably won't happen. And then the angel says, here's what God's going to do. And Mary says, okay, yes, may I be the hand servant of the Lord. And she sings a song that's called the Magnificat. Um, if you want a really cool version, Google the Canticle of the Turning, because that song is then all about the poor are going to be exalted and the high are going to get things taken from them, especially the rich. Um, and that just continues throughout that song. The Canticle of the Turning does it in amazing ways because it keeps reminding us that God is going to do a new thing. As um, proof that, yes, this is going to happen, Gabriel says, go visit your cousin Elizabeth. She's already six months pregnant. And when Mary goes and finds her, everything is exactly as the angel said, and the baby, John, not yet named, leaps in Elizabeth's womb when Mary comes because they know now something is happening that God is doing. And then John is born and then Zechariah gets a song too. Zechariah gets a song that is known as the Benedictus and it is blessed be the Lord because God is still present with us and doing things essentially. And those are the visitations in Luke. Importantly, if you switch over to the Gospel of Matthew, um, which is first in the in the Bible, um, Matthew does not contain any story of an angel Gabriel visiting Mary. Right. Instead, Matthew focuses exclusively on Joseph. And in this story, we know that Joseph and Mary are you know, engaged or in like some first stage of marriage. However, you want to, we don't do it this way anymore. But in any case, they're married. Uh, they presumably haven't had sex yet. And he finds out she's pregnant, and he's going to like quiet like divorce her. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, don't worry about it. She's actually going to give birth to the Son of God. 
Um, you should still marry her, you know, do all the good things. And so in the story of Matthew, we get another visitation, this time also about miraculous birth, but this time um, basically assuring Joseph that he should go forward with the marriage um, right. in spite of this suspicious circumstances. Yes. Okay. So... I think it's also worth noting in this whole what is biological and what is not, because that comes up as well, that Matthew very much tells us, hey, and they didn't have sex until after they were married, or until after Jesus was born. Yes. Like, that's right. That's right. There's some issue about translating the, I believe it's the Isaiah passage, that, that in the Hebrew, the word isn't necessarily about biological virginity. Right. We translate it into Greek, where they're way more worried about stuff like that, and yeah. it takes on that biological virginity. Right. You go um, from a mom, which is young woman, to Parthenos, which is virgin. Right. But by the time the gospel is written, right. no question, yeah. for whatever reason, that's what they're talking about. Because in both cases, they use it as evidence of, like, well, this is miraculous. So, okay. Um, so, these stories of God talking to people are not unprecedented, Right. We have them in um, the Old Testament. And before, I was trying to figure out if there was some sort of um, trend. And we don't really think there is a trend. It's just that there's different ways. Sometimes God speaks very directly to people. Um, we talked about in Jacob wrestles with an angel. Moses, God speaks to Moses in the burning bush. Um, um, but then sometimes God sends an angel. So, for example, Abraham gets an angel telling him that he and, I think he's Abram then and Sarai, are going to conceive, right, and have a child. Very similar to Zechariah. Right. Um, and so um, that happens. So in a sense, these stories sort of connect with the Hebrew roots of the, of the early uh, Christians. Yeah. Both of them, though, do move away from some of those traditions of power. So when you name those other people, guess what? They're all men. Sarah overhears the angel talking to Abram right. and she laughs. But it's very different for a messenger to come to a woman and say this. And yes, this is going to happen. And even that's in what the happens with Mary. Even in the mythologies, God tells Adam not to eat of the fruit. Mm-hmm. And then we assume that Adam conveys that to Eve, but there's actually not a record of Right. God telling Eve not to eat of the fruit. And that's even in the early mythologies. Right. And Matthew also then incorporates women into the genealogy. Right. And not the women you want to talk about. The women you'd rather not talk about. Specifically Rahab, mm-hmm. who is some sort of a... We, we, I mean, is she a prostitute? Is like, Do we know that? Is that explicit yeah, in the story? Yeah, she's a prostitute. I guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, of course, Ruth. Right. Who is... Not just not Hebrew. She's one of the Hebrew non-Hebrews. You're not. You're nobody says you're. Everyone says you're not supposed right. to marry. Right? Yeah. And Tamar, who right tricked her father-in-law into having sex with her, essentially. Right. So. So there's a lot of law breaking going on right. in that genealogy. Yeah. Um. Okay. So and the other thing I think is interesting about these stories is that there's so little repeat. So like Mark doesn't have any of them. Right. And Matthew and Luke share no common there's no there's no common instances between the two stories at all we're going to talk about the nativities for next time but at least there are some things that they share in common right <clears throat> and then um so i think it gives us permission to use these to say hey how's it going to set the tone of the book right i think it's it's kind of fun to think about in some ways these sort of do some switching so for example on the one hand yes luke does talk to the person who's marginalized so that luke is sort of always for the underdog but 
Luke is the most, Luke seems to very directly target um, Old Testament scriptures. Right. So the Magnificat that Mary responds with is Hannah's song. Um, when she asks for a son, has not been able to have children, and she, um, finally has a child. This is Hannah's song. My soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. And so you get that tradition pulled forward and redeposited essentially in Mary's mouth. With that, you get all of the story about that because Samuel becomes the one who ushers in a different era. Right. And um, Hannah gives him up. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the story of Hannah involves um, sacrificing a son, yep. which is, of course little foreshadowing what's going to happen here. Right. It's also a new priesthood because Eli's house is falling after this. It's also a new set of rulers because Mm -hmm. he becomes um, prophets to kings. Right. So all of those things. Um, You know, I think it is very interesting where your theology lies when you talk about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Or do we talk about, no, this is a new thing. This is a new empire, a new reign, whatever you want to call it. Samuel also represents that. Right. And then, as you, as you already mentioned, even though I think of Matthew as being more about sort of the pro-establishment gospel, Matthew is Jesus the king, Jesus is the king of the Jews, the new David, right? That's interesting, you talk about putting into the lineage these um, uh, women, and like you said, the women that you wouldn't necessarily want to be a part of. Right. So, all right. Anything we're missing then to talking about um, the visitation? So I think it is worth noting we're in visitation stories again because Advent. We need some time to get ready That's right. for this big thing that is happening. Well, and we really need to start addressing the war on Advent right. that is being <laughs> perpetrated by some. Okay. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for now. Um, um, thanks for listening to Bloody Mary Bible Bunch, and until next time, cheers.